Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective podcast hosted by yours truly, J-Dub. I'm going to be joined here in a, in a second by Team Kitty, aka Weaver, and we're going to discuss kind of the NBA Finals recap, kind of what happened, where's this Warriors team rank, what are the top NBA rookies? Like, you know, we got Summer League kicking off, what's going on there, and what are some of the top moves? So um, on the flip side here, we'll get at it. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Okay, welcome Weaver to the show. How you doing? Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's nice. We're in the thick of summer, post July fourth. We got summer league kicking. You and I are still riding the high of the Warriors winning their fourth title in this little run here. Kind of a semi upset, you know. They're the third seed. I think everyone had counted them out after they played so poorly in the second half of the year. Uh, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? You know, feeling pretty energized. Um, kind of has the exact same feeling that you did once they got into the playoffs, just the way that they ended off the season, I was thinking, you know what, they're going to lose to Memphis and that's going to be it. Thought that Phoenix was going to somehow get past Chris Paul's annual choke and make it to the finals and win the whole thing. So when they got eliminated, the whole thing opened up in my opinion and kind of felt like the Warriors would win. Um, once Phoenix got eliminated. But to see them actually do it, to see the way that they actually got it done was pretty fulfilling. Yeah. I, I So you mentioned that about Memphis. I I kind of looked at it, and I, I, I had some confidence in the team just because of the experience, but I didn't think we could beat Memphis or Boston. I, I actually – those two teams are the two teams I did not want to see. Somehow I was hoping that we would skip them. Mm-hmm. But – we had to go through both of them, which in the grand scheme of things was pretty rewarding. And I think those were our two toughest uh, series, right? Wouldn't you say? Probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, we cruised through Denver, cruised through Dallas. Uh, you know, Memphis was scary, even with jaw hurt. Those guys played great D and they made the Warriors work. They were physical. And the Warriors didn't have um, that great fourth quarter in game six. You know, we might be, they, they might have lost in game seven and blown another 3-1 lead. Yeah. I, I like that Memphis team against the Warriors, especially without Jaw. I think with Jaw, they get a little bit more one-dimensional. He's super explosive, mm-hmm. but the Warriors can guard him. When he was out of there, they really were able to spread the ball around. The Warriors didn't have an answer for a lot of that stuff. And it it was a tough series. Now, maybe with GP2, healthy that series, it would be different, but Needless to say, hey, they won. They had the heart of a champion. Wiggins, yeah. man. So the question for you is, is Wiggins now worth a max contract? Is he a max player in your mind going forward? That is such a tough call. I mean, the, the way that he performed and with this team, you certainly you can't win without him. He, he proved his worth. I just, I don't know if you can pay him the max at this point in time just because they're already in luxury tax hell. I mean, getting pushed even further into that with a max contract for Wiggins, I just don't know if you can do it. But if that's what it's going to take to keep him and and keep this this thing going for the next couple, you know, three years, maybe we have to. Yeah, I mean, it's not my money. And uh, if they can pay it, you know, I, I would say it seems like ideal. It's the timing is good and that he's got a full nether season. So I, 
my take on it is he seems to have figured out and apparently even admitted in a, in an interview on a, I think it was on Andre Iguodala and him were on a podcast and, uh, and Iguodala, Iguodala asked him, Hey, you're a great rebounder. Why haven't you rebounded better in the past? And he's like, I didn't realize how easy it was. Um, I think he was being serious based on the tone. He was just like, well, I have the length and I, it's sort of an effort thing. And so I, I sort of have a feeling he kind of got this monkey off his back. He's now recognized. He made the all-star team as a starter first time. And people were kind of snickering like, uh, he didn't really deserve it. But, you know, he did that. Plus he was able to, to turn the tide here in the, in the titles. I mean, it, you know, clearly Steph was the MVP, but Wiggins was a close second. Without that step-up performance, the Warriors don't win this series. So the nice thing is they've got him for a whole nother year on contract. And he either takes a step forward and he's a great max level player in the regular season and he's worth it, or he's, he is what he is, which is a kind of great number three, number four guy. And maybe they get him for five for 140 or 130 or something, which is a great contract, but not max. Question for you on this next one on this would be, you know, the lawyers look, I always felt like next year was their year. You have Clay in his first full season back. So he'll be like the best Clay's ever going to look again will be this next coming season, right? Because he's going to have a full full year, uh, regular off season and so on. You've got Curry and Dre still kind of in their quasi primes, although they're getting up there, but they're still kind of quasi primes. And then you have all the young guys that are like now ready to contribute. Ideally, you get something from Wiseman in his third year. Kaminga and Moody clearly look like they're going to be solid rotation players. If not better, they'll be in their second years and kind of actually ready to be NBA players. And then you have Poole who really ascended and, and could be primed to actually be like a max level contributor. So I always felt like next year was their year. What's shocking to me, and I'm curious to get your take on, is they only have the fourth best title odds next, next year. What do you think about that? Who so far, who is in front of them, the title odds? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. You know what? Uh, and it depends on how you look at it. I think DraftKings is a little bit different, but Celtics are number one. Um, okay. Suns shockingly are number two, and these are kind of tightly wound. So it's it give or take, and it depends on who you're looking at. Bet MGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever. Um, so the Warriors are number tied for number two or three in some, but they're they're generally number four behind the Celtics, Suns, Bucks, and then the Warriors. And the Clippers are kind of right there with them. So those are kind of the tight teams, and then after that, it drops way off. You're, you're, you go from a kind of plus five hundred, plus six hundred, seven hundred range to like plus. 11, 1200 with the heat and Lakers and Sixers and things like that. So, um, but it seems off to me. What are your thoughts? The Suns, the Suns being ahead of the Warriors seems to me like it's baking in a Kevin Durant arrival there. Cause I don't yeah. see them. I, I just don't see Chris Paul being the guy who's going to lead them. I mean, he did exactly what he does every year last year, which is choke when the stakes are highest. And so is this, he, at age 38, suddenly going to shed uh, the Chokot artist moniker and guide them to a championship. And then you throw in the fact that DeAndre Ayton may not even be with the team next year for whatever reason is. I mean, there's obviously some internal discord with him and Monty Williams, and I don't know if it extends to other players on the team, but you know, obviously the rumors are out there that he won't be back. And so the Suns having better title odds seems to me – be baking in a Kevin Durant arrival and I'm not buying that news that he's going anywhere I think that just to go off on a tangent really quick that Durant is 
trying to use whatever leverage he has with the Nets to get Kyrie signed long term. And so as soon as Kyrie had to opt in with the 36 you know, million, Durant saying, hey, trade me. Um, yeah, that's, my, my personal opinion is that he's trying to get Kyrie signed long term. Yeah, I would love to hear Durant talk about that, but that's a whole that's a that's a that's a podcast in itself. Um, right, right. But the Warriors are kind of a nice play. By the way, on that note, the Nets are a solid play too because they're plus you know twenty five hundred, three thousand, depending on what service you're looking at, and they likely are returning Kyrie, Durant, uh, and then a bunch of good role players plus. I would assume at some point Ben Simmons is back, right? And, and I think he's a right. great fit there because he gives him size, rebounding, and great ball movement for multiple great shooters and scores, not just Durant and Irving, obviously, but you got Joe Harris, you got Seth Curry. I guess I'm uh, pleased that the Warriors are fourth because I'd rather them be an underdog than be the front runners. They, they tend to play better when they are being doubted. Agreed. I agree. I would agree with that. Okay. Let's shift to rookies. There's obviously the top of the the food chain guys, but who do you like in this rookie class? So my two favorites, I I, I feel like my biggest hot take was that Jaden Ivey is going to be the star of this class. Um, I guess that's not the the biggest risk to take given that he was left a fifth pick. Um, But I, I really like, his style of play, I just think that he's uh, smooth, plays with, uh, you know, plays with a, a wisdom about him beyond his years. Um, you know, I guess them flaming out in the first round of the NCAA tournament isn't the best, but um, I just think him as a, I think the NBA game suits his game perfectly. So he's my, he's going to be my number one in this class. And then I also really like uh, Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Um, Detroit? Is, is, is he in Detroit or is he in Indiana? He's in Indiana. Indiana, okay. So yeah. I, I like him. I like him there. And then um, the, the two guys that uh, Detroit got, I also really like. And I think Detroit is looking like they could be pretty strong pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, you because you just called out Ivy, and then they also got Jalen Duran. Um, okay, got it. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's an intro. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, um the flip who, side, who else? Uh, or who do you think would be bust? Chet Holmgren bust. Okay. You're going against the, uh, the, the wave right now. Yeah. I'm going way against it. I see him as a rich man's taco fall. Uh, his ceiling, his ceiling, if he reaches the ceiling, he'll have had a great career. But uh, his ceiling is a Marcus Camby type, which like, okay, so that would be a great career. That's 19 years in the NBA, you know, earning several hundred million dollars or a couple or over a hundred billion dollars and um, a couple all-star, all-star appearances. But I do not see him being a transcendent, build your team around that guy. He's just, he, he's, I, I don't he, like, he, I don't like the body type. Me neither. Me neither. He feels more Sean Bradley than he does Kevin Durant. That's how I felt, but I have watched him a little bit, and he has a um, he has like a guard skill set, which is really unique. Like if he can if he can be that 
he's almost he's got a little bit of like uh white kevin durant in him you know he's not quite as good a shooter at this age but he's a decent shooter he's great ball handler and passer like shockingly so i'm not going against your call and he's not on my list as guys i I think are going to be like the next coming but he has shown me something that says hey he's not Sean Bradley, right? Because Sean Bradley was just basically a dominant tall guy who actually couldn't stay healthy and and uh, and wasn't quite as skilled, quite frankly, when he got to the NBA. So be interesting on that one. My my can't miss, I think, and the guy that when I watched the tape or I just watched watched him play, and I was shocked that he wasn't going to be the first overall pick, and then he ended up being the first overall pick is is Paolo uh, Banchero. Like that that guy mm-hmm. looks is great. He's a great passer. He can score kind of does it everything he he kind of plays like he could kind of play all five positions a little bit i mean clearly he's not a a true point guard um but i i like his i like his game in the nba and i think he's one of those guys who's gonna he gets the nba and he'll be way better than he was in college for the simple fact that the game's a little bit more wide open and it showcases the fact that he can do so much um mm-hmm. and on the flip side of that i didn't like jabari smith like Jamari Smith to me seems like the classic, like if Jamari Smith was the 17th, 18th pick, then great pick because he's clearly going to be able to score. Uh, but he seemed pretty one dimensional for a top, you know, three pick. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and on that note, I also like Keegan Murray was another one, like to go four. that seemed like a, you know, he seems like he's going to be a solid 10 year, 15 year pro who like maxes out at 15, 16, 17 a game, which is solid, but it picked number four. Don't you want to go a little bit higher, you know, you know, it, to, to your Ivy thing, like Ivy could be, you know, a John Morant type player. Um, like he has that upside to be like a Russell Westbrook, like, you know, a guy that actually dominates and, you know, what maybe Westbrook's a bad name to comp these, these days, given what Westbrook's become. Um, but Keegan Murray is never going to be a franchise guy. It doesn't seem like, so I don't know. I was, I was a little down on that, that pick. Um, yeah, Keegan Murray seems to me to be like kind of a, almost like a Malcolm Brogdon type, just like steady, heavy, um, you know, a, a good team player type guy, but do you really, why, why are you getting him at the four or the five, whatever it was I, I'm in full agreement. He's like a younger Enos Cantor in some ways too, like a guy who's going to be able to put up like 17, 18 points and like eight or nine rebounds. But it's kind of like, is it, you know, is it, are they kind of like, you know, empty calorie kind of thing? So I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, moves in the off season. Like if you think about what's been transpired and, and granted, we're still kind of like in the, in the middle of this, uh, right. We don't know where Aiden's going to land. I think we all kind of have a good sense that Durant's not moving because the Nets have no incentive to do it. They're not going to get a, a package that makes sense for them. So there's probably not another big shoe that drops, but possible, um, you know, kind of like hearing those Zach Wilson news today, anything can drop at any given time. So th- that said, like, if you think about the teams, like who's the team you think did the, has done the most and you like the kind of moves they've made. You know, this is a strange one to say, but I, I do kind of like the uh, John Wall to the Clippers moves. Um, with Wall not having to be the go-to guy, I mean, he's never really been good as a go-to guy, but I, I like him playing alongside Kawhi and, uh, and Paul George. I think that he'll give them, a, you know, a scoring punch from the three. Um, 
uh, if, you know, from, from when I say from the three being like the third option um, yeah. that they had. And so I, I do like that play for them. Um, so uh, who, would, who would you say yours is? Mine is hands down the Celtics. I think they, they've now landed. If you think about their weaknesses, they basically needed a solid, um, really steady ball handler, particularly in late game situations. And they picked that up in Malcolm Brogdon. Now he's got injury concerns. He's got a hefty contract, but he just fits that like steady. I can hit a big shot if I have to. Um, kind of nice, really nice fit there. And then Gallinari is like ideal for them as a spot up big. He can rebound. He can hit the, the shot on the outside. He's just perfect for that, that team. In fact, they had those two guys on the team. I think they win the title this year. Um, no doubt. Marcus, so. Smart, Marcus Smart down the stretch killed them a couple yeah. of times. And if you've got Brogdon in there instead, I think that, or if you've got Brogdon playing the point, um, exactly. Instead, you know, exactly. They were, they were lacking, like, you know, Smart's a great player, but they were lacking one other guy that could hit a big shot, which is, you know, especially a three, like in Gallinari. And they just needed another ball handler. I mean, Smart was just mm -hmm. kind of overused. Jalen Brown, I mean, I, I'm not that quick, but I feel like I could pick, pick him, you know, like he just was every, every drive. It was like, he was dropping the ball. Um, yeah. So the Warriors just, ate him alive and they were able to really focus in on you watch the last three games they just hone in on basically making sure that um that brown couldn't beat them off the dribble and got a guy in his face and then made sure they they kept a guy who can really body up on tatum and force him into bad shots and they didn't really fear anyone else um and so i think this, going those moves really helped them and going going back to just the, the the final series, it was um it was very nice to see another team be more crackheaded with their turnover game than the Warriors for once. Because you know, as you and I both know from being Warriors fans, at least for for this era, how the Warriors have just undone themselves so many times with the boneheaded turnovers, and yep. seeing that prey on another team's um, turnover tendencies was really fun to watch. I, I agree. Uh, the one thing I would add to that, though, is, you know, the Warriors, they make crackheaded turnovers where they're trying to do this spectacular or they overpass. The Celtics were infuriating. They were just like dribbling the ball off themselves or they were like, it was really, that's why I think this Brogdon pickup is so important because they have a couple like Marcus Smart is solid. I like Marcus Smart. I'm not claiming he was the issue. He was just the only guy you kind of count on to like operate in the half court with the ball in his hands. Jalen Brown is so explosive going to going running downhill and he's a great outside shooter, but the like attacking on the dribble, he's just bad. And then Tatum was getting eaten alive. Like he was having to yep. a shot too much. So I think if they, you know, Brogdon can help do a little bit of playmaking Gallinari stretches the defense out. You know, I think that's their closing five basically is, is likely Gallinari, um, uh, Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, and Smart. Like that's that probably would have been their closing five against the Warriors. Um, you know, maybe you're sprinkling in Gallinari comes out and you've got Horford or Williams, but I, I really like those moves for them. And you know, assuming they can get out of the East next year, they they likely are. I you know I think those are really sound. And they don't lose anybody basically. Um, in the Brogdon trade, I think they traded Tice and 
couple other pieces, but no one who actually played. Um, and then they got Gallinari as a, as a free agent. So, okay. Lastly on this, and then we'll, we'll close up this episode. Um, who do you think, you know, in the fantasy, the, the fantasy football, uh, sorry, fantasy hoops breakout scene, who do you like? Who are the guys that, you know, based on kind of the moves you've seen so far or how they finish or whatever, like it's early. I know we don't have, we don't have the, uh, the early kind of preseason stuff. We haven't, the rosters aren't completely set, but you know, who, what second year guys, um, so I'm going to, let's remove rookies here for a second. What second year guys or veterans that are in different situations or you saw that you think are going to explode next year? Uh, I mean, the two guys that come to mind immediately are um, Evan Mobley and um, Cade Cunningham. Yeah. I think that those, if, if, if I am, if, if, if you want me to pick who I think the two best second year fantasy guys are going to be next year, those are, those are them. And I think that both of them have a chance to be kind of top 10 performers on the fantasy, on the fantasy scene next year. Yeah. And who, who would you be like, if you had to take a, a pick of who's going to be the kind of most improved and, and the most improved now, as, as we see it by the voters is really not who improved the most it's who's exploded into borderline superstardom status, right? Like that's, who's kind of won at the last, like, you know, for the last like six years has been, this guy that breaks out last year was John Morant went from borderline all-star to like, you know, quasi MVP talk. Who do you see in that vein this year? Just what would be your, your guess? Okay. Now I want to, I, I want to say this just because I'm, I'm biased about it. And I think that he has the potential to be a, to be a star, at least an all-star. And that's uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, and I say I'm biased because he was on my team um, last year. I saw what he was doing down the stretch, and Grant is with an Indiana team that didn't have a whole lot to play for. Um, but I liked him in Sacramento. I thought that he was better than Fox to begin with, and um, you know I think that I think that he could take the next step and be an All Star next year. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I like that. He's he's a great young player and. He definitely fits the boat. And quite frankly, that's what Indiana's counting on. If he, if he takes that leap, they're probably a, you know, seven, eight seed and they're in the mix and, you know, he's getting a lot of, a lot of pub because he'll be the center of attention there. Um, so interesting. That's good stuff. Well, Hey, I appreciate. Yeah, go on. Uh, I was going to say, who would you be call on that? Who would my call be? It's a great question. I love the Tyrese Halliburton call. Um, that's not, so it wasn't on top of my head, I, I, but I, as you say that, I, I have to say that's one of the better, better ones. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really, you know, I hadn't put a lot of time into it. It's kind of like, I'll see what, I'll see what Weaver thinks. Um, my, mine would probably be, I, I'll go a little bit of a wild card here. I'm going to say that Zion Williamson stays healthy. And I think he's yep. like in the MVP talk. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not even that of a hot a take because if he's healthy, I think he will be, but it's a hot take in the sense that we haven't seen him do it. Um, but there's something special about that guy. You saw it in college. You saw it for whatever sixty something games his his second year. If he can stay so healthy, that guy is a beast, and that team is really good. You look at like what they've got. They've they're pretty deep. They have good players that fit in kind of each position. He's really the missing link take them from a you know six seven eight seed to like a top three four seed um 
so we'll see. I, you know, I, that would be my guy though, who I think could be the you know most improved and and get some MVP talk if he's healthy. So and I, I'm hoping you're right because, as you said, that is going to be a fun team to watch. They were a fun team to watch last year in the playoffs without him, and if yeah. you add him to them, uh, I mean, it's just it's going to make the West all that much stronger and more fun to watch. They're deep, man. Uh, with CJ McCollum as a veteran presence and score, uh, Brandon Ingram was doing what? some insane stuff in the playoffs. KD style. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's like a poor man's KD, which is no slight to him because KD is one of the greatest players I've ever played. So yeah. um, if Zion can play 70 games plus in the regular season and be healthy for the playoffs, I think New Orleans will be a, will be a force. So yeah. um, the other one, the other one I'll call out too, just because I thought he was outstanding in um, in uh, hustle, is uh, Ant Anthony Edwards. That guy. Oh is, yeah. I mean, he's a classic John Morant, right? Because he he's gonna be in his third year. He's already a great player, but he could easily explode to like 28, 29 points a game, and just all of a sudden, yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, that guy's a star." Um, I mean, yeah. he's already a star, but he, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are anticipating he'll be a superstar. And so if he, if he, if he lives up to that, he probably doesn't win this award because he's kind of the first overall pick and people are expecting it. But I think he's another guy that we could see really take the next leap forward and be kind of in that talk of, of, you know, NBA first team, uh, type of thing. So. I like that call. Um, and that's going to be, by the way, that's going to be really interesting composition of that team because you now have a really defensive force in the bottom and he fits nicely with Rudy Gobert trade. He fits really nicely in that scheme in the sense that you have a lot of guys who can shoot and score, but you didn't have that defensive anchor. And obviously Cat is not a defensive force. He's not terrible. He's kind of, I think he's, it's overrated how bad, you know, he's not, not a terrible, terrible defender. Um, but I think Gobert really, allows him to be that, you know, kind of the, the wing guy that he kind of wants to be on offense. Um, mm -hmm. And on defense, lets him kind of guard the four more. And uh, so I'll be interesting to see how that things, but I do think it opens up the, the court for, for uh, Anthony Edwards now. Um, yeah. I think it, it's a good fit, right? you got a guy who just wants to dominate on defense. He's going to do pick put back dunks, but he doesn't need any touches on offense. Um, and now you got, uh, you know, um, Russell or uh, sorry, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell as your, your fourth guy, basically your third score, fourth guy, you know, he does, you don't really need a lot for him. You just need him to win a few games for you when other guys are off and when guys are taking nights off and you need Cat and Anthony Edwards, Cat and Ant, I guess is their nicknames to just be mm -hmm. 25 plus point scores and, and be kind of one and two there. And so I'll be, I'll be curious on that. Like, do they take the leap forward? Are they a top four seed? Um, or does that trade kind of blow up in their face and they're, they're decent, but they're kind of more like six, seven, eight stuck in the bottom. So. It'll be um, very fun to watch. It will be fun to watch. I mean, they're one of the fun teams this year. And I think, I think that trade does a great, I think it does a lot for them. They give up a ton of picks, but I'm confident that Ant is, you know, a top 20, top 15 player. So those picks are probably like mid, mid to late first round anyways. Um, so be, I'm glad they went for it. I think it's a good move. Ultimately, I know that that trade's kind of being panned for how many picks they give up, but I don't think they gave up that. They, you know, Malik Beasley is kind of a you know what he was a little overpaid. Um, Patrick Beverly is Pat Beverly is uh, solid, but he's a, you know he's a role player ultimately. Right. Um, hey, appreciate this. It's gonna be a great summer celebrating the Warriors win. 
And I'm excited for the rest of summer league. Wiseman went off tonight. I mean, went off, you know, for us, it was like, he looked okay. Um, you know, he didn't, he almost fouled out. He only had two, two rebounds, but he looked like he was dominating the paint, almost blocked everything. So that's exciting. And then we got all these rookies. Um, so I'm excited for the, the fall and the season to start. And, you know, we'll, we'll come back on this and, and recap and talk um, season as we get closer and we have a better sense of what the rosters look like. So thank you for joining. Yep. Thank you for having me. Look forward to doing it again. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find the, the podcast on all of the relevant stations, Spotify, Apple, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and so on. So thank you. Have a good Before one. we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uh, I said, Uptown, funk you up.